I, I don't know if you know this, but there's you know, a pretty big game tonight as we have already talked about. Some of y'all got dressed up and some of y'all be looking good up in this place, especially those of you that are in those Cowboys uniforms. Let me hear you today. Cowboys fans, where are we at? Come on, Eagles and Chiefs, I know you guys are in the game. And you know, that's cool and all, but we even posted on our story, it was like, who's gonna win the game today? And we put Eagles, Chiefs, and Cowboys with a little sad face. And more people voted for the Cowboys sticker than they did for the two teams they're actually playing. Listen, we're America's team, that's what's up. So uh, I wanna talk to you today about something that is very important, something we've just already been talking about, and it is about friendship. And I want to ask you a simple question. Do you have friends? Do you have friends? Some of y'all are like, yeah, of course I have friends. You know, everybody's got some kind of friends. I mean, maybe I have one or two close friends or whatever it might be. And, uh, but then I want to ask you a separate question, and I want you to go back to your answer that you kind of already automatically gave me. And the second question is, do you have real friends? Do you have true community? Do you have a real community of people around you? Do you have people that are with you in the thick and the thin of life on the mountaintops and in your valleys? Uh, that they're with you with your kids and, and they come over at all hours of the day maybe and like you just have that relationship with them where they can just stop at any time and drop off some food if you're going through a hard time or you know watch a game together tonight, watching the Super Bowl, having a blast, eating nachos and whatever you're going to be doing tonight. Like, do you have true friends that will help you when you're going through the hardest times in your life? Because at the end of the day, I think that's what a real friend is. When things are not good, when things are not going well, when you have conflict between the two of you, can you resolve it and work through it without the friendship completely falling apart? Now, I wanna ask you again, do you have real friends? Do you have friends like that in your life? And if you don't, then today is specifically for you. And if you do, then I wanna encourage you in this community that you do have to maybe grow and to reach out to somebody that doesn't have that kind of a community. Because this series is all about true friendship, teamwork, uh, biblical community, and how God has called each and every one of us to play a role in each other's lives. So today, of course, is Super Bowl Sunday, and I love playing sports. It's one of my favorite things to do, even still to this day. We even had a, a rad group one time that was a basketball group. We should bring it back because it was a ton of fun. Some guys got out just playing ball together, having a good time, trying not to get hurt, right? You know, for all, most of us were over 30, and so we're like, hey, let's not hurt ourselves, and luckily it didn't happen, but I love playing sports. I have played ever since I was four, and I played from four to 18 year-round sports, and how many of you parents that your kids are in sports, you know how crazy that schedule is, right? It is from the beginning, the crack of dawn, until 6 p.m., and then they have to go home and do homework. It's crazy. So how many times we went to talk Bell and McDonald's because we didn't have time to make dinner. I cannot even tell you uh, because we were just in sports year round, a lot of fun. But I played basketball, football, soccer, baseball, like underwater basket weaving. I mean, there was a sport, I played it, okay? Uh, and I love even those little like random sports. I, I, I love bowling and, you know, ping pong. I literally, any sport, I will play it. But at the end of the day, my favorite sport that I ever played, and the sport I actually played the least as far as my school career, was football. But I absolutely loved it. It was my favorite. And in my opinion, it's the best sport that there is. Come on, somebody say, that's what I'm talking about, pastor. You know what I mean? Some of the men out there, you already know. 
But it's the best sport that there is. This is why. There's a 53-man roster, and there's 22 people on the field at once. Every player moves with precision, with intentionality to advance the ball down the field. They move as a unit, not as an individual. And one of the things that my coaches used to tell us is that teamwork makes the dream work. Come on, somebody say teamwork makes the dream work. Teamwork makes the dream work, and we have a dream to win this game, and we got to work together. If we don't work together, y'all, listen, it is not going to happen. And there are two teams that are competing tonight in the biggest game on the biggest stage in our nation and in our world, and I actually know who's going to win. I don't know if you knew that, but I actually know. I, I talked to the Lord about it, and he told me who's going to win, and it is, in fact, the team that works together the best there we go. I actually don't have a specific name. I can't tell you. I don't know. But we will certainly find out whichever team is able to come together in community and brotherhood, uh, fight through the blood, the sweat, and the tears. Whoever works together the best will be the team that wins almost every single time. So the title of the message today, if you're taking notes, I encourage you to take notes because I think this would be helpful for you sometime down the line. It is Teamwork Makes the dream work is the title of the message today. Point number one, if you are taking notes, is two are better than one. Two are better than one. And what I'm going to do today, I'll preface this right now, is I'm going to actually give you three things that my coaches used to tell us. And some of these things actually have a lot to do with biblical principles. Now, they didn't know that, but I know it because we know scripture, right? And so we're going to relay some of these things that coaches say a lot of the times and relay it back to scripture uh, and how it, it, it relates to teamwork making the dream work. So the first point is two are better than one. Ecclesiastes 4.9, it says it straight up. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. They have a good return for their labor. Imagine this evening if the game's about to start, right? All the players run out onto the field for the Eagles, they're warming up. They're getting ready to go. They're about to play the biggest game in this nation, in this world. And then the Chiefs get ready to come on out and out trots Patrick Mahomes. Here he comes. He's the man with the plan. He's amazing. He can slingshot it left arm, right arm, side arm, over arm, behind the back. It doesn't matter. He's got all the moves. He comes out and he trots out and he's just by himself. Just Pat Mahomes. Nobody else. No offensive lineman. No defensive linemen. There's no safeties. There's no running backs. There's no wide receivers. There's nobody else. It's just Pat Mahomes coming out by himself. And the announcers are saying, well, what's going on here? It looks like Patrick Mahomes is actually going to play against the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl by himself. Now, if there was anybody that could do it, it's probably Pat Mahomes, right? He like, it's, he like just do old school football, you know, backyard football. Say, hike, hike it to himself, go back, throw it up in the air, pass it to himself, and he probably scored a touchdown. He, the dude's just incredible. But listen, here's the deal. Imagine if you tried to play against 11 dudes by yourself. Even Patrick Mahomes, with all the talent that he has, there is no way that he is going to be able to win that game. It is not going to turn out good for him. And here's the deal for you parents that do have your kids in sports. Some of us take it so seriously and maybe your kid is really, really, really good. And you think they have a shot, right? They could make it to the NFL. They could make it to the NBA. Let me just go ahead and tell you right now, 
they're probably not that good. I'm so sorry, but they're just probably not, okay? I thought I was amazing. Like, and I would play against some of the D1 college athletes, play against some guys that were in the D League, actually in, uh, uh, you know, kind of in the farm league for the NBA. They smoked me and my friends every single time. The percentage of people that get in actually into these leagues is so incredibly small. So what is the actual point of playing sports when you're a kid. It's really just about learning to work within the context of a team. Learning to work together with your peers, working with other people, getting disciplined in your life, because how many of you know your kids need some discipline and it's a lot easier to come from a coach sometimes than it is from you, all right? So you get some discipline in your life. But even solo athletes, you think, well, they're on their own. You know, if you play tennis or if you play golf, Maybe you're a boxer. Maybe let's go to Philadelphia for a little bit. Let's talk about Rocky for a second, okay? How many of you love Rocky Balboa? You know, you've seen all the movies, everything. Who did he have in his court? Who was his trainer? Mick. We got Mick, right? He's got a trainer. He's got a guy that's in his corner. He's got a cut guy, you know, the guy that's there. Hey, if you get a cut up here, he's, he's, he's taping that thing up. He's helping you out. Uh, tennis uh, players, they have a team. Golfers have caddies. They have coaches. Every single solo athlete has a team around them, but a lot of times we don't see the team around them, but they are helping them to succeed in a way that you and I would never even know. Here's the main point today is that you need a team to win in life. You need a team around you that's going to lift you up, that's going to encourage you, that when you're going through the hard times, they're gonna challenge you to do better. They're gonna challenge you to, to help pick you up when you're down. And when you're on the highest point, they're gonna celebrate right along with you, man. We all need a team of people in our lives because God said we are not supposed to do life alone. At the very beginning of scripture, God creates Adam. And what does he say very quickly after that? He says, it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for you to be alone. You need a helper. You need a helpmate. And what does he do? He takes one of Adam's ribs and he creates Eve. It's at the very, very beginning of scripture, the very beginning, God understands, hey, it's not good for you to be by yourself. You need somebody to hang out with and to talk to, to help you and to uplift you and work together with. It's not good for you to do life alone. And even Jesus had a team. I don't know if you knew this, but he had 12 disciples. What are these 12 disciples? These were Jesus's teammates. These are the people that he was coaching, that he was helping, but also they were on his team as well. Yes, the son of God himself, Jesus, assembled a team to advance the gospel. Think about that for a second. If Jesus Christ needs a team around him to accomplish the mission that he has and the destiny on his life, then how many of you think that I probably need a team of people around me to help me accomplish the mission and vision that God has for my life? I'll show you right here, Matthew 4, 19. Let's go to scripture. He said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Who was he talking to? He was talking to a few guys that were fishermen he went out there and he called them into something that was greater than what they knew themselves. What is he really saying at the end of it? He's saying, hey, I'm gonna pour into you and I want you to join my team. Get on this team of guys that are about to change everything in this world. 
Jesus had vision. He had destiny. He called that thing out of them. And he said, hey, join my team. We're gonna gather a few more guys. Hey, come on and let's do this thing. I'll train you. I'll help you. We'll grow together. We'll have a brotherhood. And man, we're gonna get out there and we're gonna change the world. He calls his disciples, the 12. And who is this? This is now his starting lineup. This is his, start, this is his you know, his Pat Mahomes. This is his LeBron James. This is his Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, like Shaquille O'Neal. Like these are the, the big top dogs, the Tom Brady's. No, I'm just kidding. These guys were awful, all right? They were terrible. Let's just be real, okay? They were tax collectors. They were, they were kids. Most of them were in high school. Like they were high school age, 16, 17, 18, 19. The, they think that actually the oldest one of them might've been like 25, 26, the oldest of the disciples, not very old at all. And he says, hey, why don't you guys join my team? And instead of advancing a ball down the field, like in sports, man, we're going to advance the kingdom of God in this world. Come on, somebody say amen this morning. Here's the best part about this team. It was not a super team. It was not LeBron James. It was not the best players that he could have assembled. He could have done that if he wanted to. He's Jesus. He could go call anybody he wants, turn water to wine in front of them. They'd be like, yo, that's awesome. I would love to join this team. And, uh, but he could have done that. He did not. He went to these fishermen and tax collectors. It was a ragtag group of young men who were not perfect, but they were a team and they did work together. So I wanna ask you a question. Do you surround yourself with people that are not perfect? They're imperfect people, but they're for you, but they care about you, but they'll give their lives to do anything for you. They're, they're selfless within themselves and, and you're the same way with them. Hey, we're on this team together and I'll help you in, in any area of your life that you need. I'll help you watch your kids, man. So you guys can go on a date and you'll do the same for me. And, and we wanna pour into each other, go over to each other's houses and, and, and have Bible studies and pray together. Hey, how can I be praying for you right now? Encouraging and lifting each other up. Do you care for them? Because Proverbs 27, 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron. So one person sharpens another. When we do life together, we get more accomplished and we become more like Jesus. I'm gonna say it again. You need a team to win in this life. You cannot go it alone, amen? Point number two, there's no I in team. There's no I in team. I'm sure you've heard this before from a coach somewhere if you played sports. Uh, you know, I, I loved playing basketball. That's actually the sport I played the longest. Played for 14 years, uh, from four to 18. Played pretty much year round. I even played AAU, so I was playing summer leagues and different things like that. And played all the time whenever I could. Out, you know, playing with my friends, whatever it might be. And in middle school, I had a coach. His name was Coach Bell. Coach Bell was awesome, all right? But Coach Bell was also very hard on us. He was a very tough coach to play for. But we knew that he loved us. It wasn't like we didn't like him. We loved Coach Bell. We respected him. But man, did that guy have some high standards. And when that standard was broken, we knew about it, all right? He made sure to tell us when we had broken his standard, his level of excellence, his level of play, and his level of respect that he demanded from each and every one of us. The worst thing that you can hear in a basketball practice, do you know what it is? The worst thing you could possibly hear, it's this, get on the line. <laughs> it is the worst possible thing that you could ever hear in a basketball practice. You know what, as a matter of fact, uh, how about we have somebody demonstrate 
real quick what this is. Y'all ever ran lines before? Who knows how to run lines up in this place? You ran lines before. Who's going to do it with me? Come on, Daniel. I see you sitting on the front row. Come on, dude. Get up, Daniel. I didn't tell you I was going to do this to you. Come on, get up. All right. Daniel, get on the line, boy. Right here. Right here on the line. I need you to. So you go back and forth. You go touch that line, blue line, and then you come back. Then you go touch that white line, and then you come back. Ready? Three, two, one. I'm going to whistle. Go. I said run, boy. You better run, Daniel. Come on, Daniel. Go to the white. Go to the other line. The white line. I, you ain't done. You keep running, man. Oh, this is an awful time. Okay, all right, all right. All right, sit down, sit down, sit down. Oh, my goodness. Coach Bell would have ripped you a new one right there. Hey, thank you, Daniel, for playing along, man. Everybody give it up for Daniel. He's amazing. Love you, man. Listen, when Coach Bell or any coach says, get on the line, it's because you messed up, all right? You messed up that play for the third time in a row and coach is just getting frustrated now and we're arguing with one another maybe or somebody's not listening to the coach. But you know what's the absolute worst possible situation to happen? The worst thing that you could ever hear in a basketball practice. It goes something like this. Well, everyone. Looks like Johnny wants to talk back to coach today. You talk to your mama with that mouth, boy. Hey, you know what? I heard that Johnny actually wants everybody to run lines with him because he don't want to listen to coach today. Everybody, get on the line. Let's go on me. Run. (laughs) He starts going, everybody's like, Johnny, you stink, man. Like, what are you doing? You're making us all run lines right now. Listen, we all suffered together. Why? We all suffered together. If one person messes up, then we all mess up many times in sports. And why do we do that? It, because it teaches you that th- this is not about you. It's not about you alone. It's about the team. We are all in this thing together. And when you suffer, now we all suffer. And 1 Corinthians 12, 25 through 26 says this, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. This is it right here. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Isn't that beautiful? And my senior year, let's go back to some basketball, right? We're, we're, having, we're having a sports day today, so I'll give a lot of sports illustrations because I love it. My senior year, I was the captain of the basketball team at my school. And I had been the captain the junior and senior year. And I had a really good free throw percentage. I was pretty decent. I shot about 88% free throws, which is pretty good for a high school kid. And so uh, my coach wanted to challenge me a little bit. And he put me in a situation that would simulate pressure. You always want to simulate pressure when you're in sports. That's the only way that you can get better. Because when you get into the big game, when you get to the district championship or the state championship, if you have not been under that pressure before, and if you haven't simulated it, you're probably not going to be able to withstand it. So what coach did is he said, hey, uh, Ashley, I want you to get on the line. I want you to get on the free throw line right here. Actually, this is, we got it right here. This is the free throw line. And you sink 10 in a row. We cut practice an hour early and everybody gets to go and we get a Jimmy John sandwich down the street. What do you think, guys? And everyone's like, let's go. Trev, come on, man. You better not mess this up. And I was like, oh my gosh, coach, why are you doing this to me, you know? And so now I'm here, nervous as I'll get out, standing on this free throw line, ready to shoot 10 in a row with all of my teammates standing around me over here and on this side. And you know what they're doing? They're like, I sink one of them, okay? I sink another one. I sink another one. And after about four or five, now guys, I'm getting very 
very nervous. Why? Because I'm hungry and I want a sandwich. I don't want to let my team down. They're all looking around. They're like, he's got this, guys. He's going to do it. He's going to get 10 in a row. It's possible. There's so much pressure. I'm wanting to perform for my team. And I get to seven, I get to eight, I get to nine. And I'm telling you, everybody is freaking out out at this point. They're like, he's going to make it, guys. And I'm just like shaking at this point. I'm about to airball this thing. And I had to calm myself down under the pressure. You know, it's not that much pressure, but it's, um, we, you know, it's high school. We like a sandwich. So and here we go. So I shoot the 10th one. Bam. Sink it in. We got 10 free throws in a row. We all went to get a sandwich. Everybody's jumping around. We're freaking out. Everybody crowds around me. The coach, you know, he's just smiling ear to ear because he probably wanted a sandwich. He didn't want to be there anyway. So he's having a ton of fun. And here's the deal though why do they get a sandwich? I'm the one that did the work, I'm the one that made the free throws. I should be the one that gets to go and get a sandwich. Not all you crazy people that didn't do any of the work. But why do they also get rewarded? Because that's what teams do. When you rejoice together, when one person is honored, we are all rejoicing together. That's what the scripture says. We win together. We lose together. We're a team. We're a brotherhood. We understand that we cannot do this alone. And when one of us succeeds, all of us get to succeed. And when one of us fails, we all get on the line. And every coach said, amen, come on. Uh, point number three today, and our last point for you is, no one gets up alone. No one gets up alone. In football, uh, this is a football one now. So there's an unspoken rule of every team that if one of your teammates falls down onto the ground, what is the first thing that you're supposed to do as a teammate? You go over to them, not walk, not jog, not, you know, casually walk over. But when somebody falls down on the ground, maybe he's over here. Man, you run over there and you get him up as quick as you can. Why? Number one, because nobody gets up alone. We all work together. No one's going to be on the ground. And also, number two, man, you don't want your guys laying down on the ground. Hey, you get popped real hard. You get hit in the head real hard. You watch tonight in the game. Somebody gets hit real hard and they're down on the ground. They're like, no, man, get up. Let's go. Come on. No one gets up alone. It's an unspoken rule, but you just know. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10. I want to read you the second half of this verse. I already read the first half, but we're going to read it together. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. I want to ask you a question. How many times in your life do you wish that you had somebody to help you up? When you're going through the hard times in life, when you're dealing with the most difficult season that you've ever been through, how nice was it when you did have that person in your life and how sad it was when you didn't? Everybody needs somebody that can help them up from the hard things that they're dealing with in their lives. And it says right here, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Here's the deal. Many times we get so caught up in our own lives and the things that we have to deal with that we actually neglect to care for the other people that are on our team. We neglect to help others that are struggling to get up, to get back into the game. We're only thinking about ourselves. Listen, if I, as a football player in middle school and high school, if I would have ever, ever, ever seen a teammate on the ground that just got hit really hard 
and just walked right past him, looked at him and walked past him. Do you realize how much my coach would rip into me? And not only that, my other teammates would rip into me and be like, actually, what are you doing, bro? Come on, like, get this guy up. What are you doing? They probably hit me across a helmet a couple times. Give me a concussion. You know what I mean? Like, what are you doing, man? Because no one gets up alone. We all are in this together. And I want to ask this question. What if we just took that, what if we took that approach into our everyday lives with our relationships, with our friendships, with our family? Maybe you know a family member, a friend or a church member that's having a really hard time in life. No one gets up alone. Maybe you say that. Maybe you have to remember that. Write it down. Like no one gets up alone. Who is that person in your life that's struggling right now that you can reach out to, that you can help lift up in their hard times? Because listen, there's going to come a day when you are that person that needs to be lifted up. When you're that person that needs to be encouraged and pity the person that doesn't have somebody to help them up. Maybe it's because you've never helped anybody else up in your entire life. We need each other. Teamwork makes the dream work. And I want to highlight a couple today that led one of our rad groups this last semester. It was an incredible group. A lot of these people that came into this group, they, they had never even met each other before. And so it was a group of all mainly new people to the church. So they didn't know anybody. They didn't have any friends in the group already. It was a brand new group with brand new people that had just started attending the church it ended up being one of the most life-giving groups that I've ever heard of. And now these people are really, really great friends. And the leaders of this group were Diana and Emmanuel Diaz. And uh, I just want to show you this video real quick and how amazing their group was. And from their perspective as the leader of the group, why don't you check out this video? So we signed up to be Rad Group leaders, um, mainly, I guess, because of me. <laughs> um, last year, uh, I kind of had my word around January and uh, it was connection. And it was just, I just kept hearing that word over and over connection. And then God just kind of randomly gave me a passion for just connecting with people. So we would just randomly have people over after church just to kind of get to meet them. And um, I'm not really a extrovert, so I knew that was God. And uh, he was kind of moving me to sign up for ride groups around this time last year. but. Um, I just kind of chickened out. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what it was going to be. Um, and then summertime came around again to sign up for rad groups and I didn't do it. And so finally around fall time, I, I said, you know what, let's just do it. Let's just see how it goes. I was a little hesitant because I'm not <clears throat> the most social person, but I knew that I needed to support Emmanuel and his word for the year. And, um, and I did want to meet people and make closer connections because you see these people at church all the time. And I felt like I wanted to know them better. I feel like on Sundays, it's just not enough to say hi and bye. There's not really much time to, to make a really good connection with people. So um, rad groups are kind of, um, I guess kind of crucial to me now because it kind of allows us to, to to kind of get to know people a little better, to get to know um, what they do, to get to know families, get to know uh, not just the person, but their whole family and uh, kind of start to do life together. I also felt like it was a, a place where people could open up and it could be a safe, a safe space to um, let people know what's going on in your life and help other people keep you accountable with whatever you're going through. 
Yeah, um, it was scary at first because uh, I've never led a group before. Um, I've always kind of wanted to, but I never really knew how to. Um, I guess once we started, it kind of came natural. Um, you know, um, I, I guess I kind of felt like I had to ha be perfect or, uh, or know everything and um, everything just kind of came naturally. So hosting a rad group is mostly just getting a conversation started. Um, a lot of it, you don't have to have a sermon, a sermon prepared for it. Um, and it's, it's a great time to fellowship. And you know, our rad group was full of, it was very diverse and we were all so different and it didn't matter. We all just enjoyed our time together and we used it as a time to grow in our faith. Most of the time was just talking, hanging out, um, getting to know people uh, and about maybe 15 minutes just watching a video and discussion but like most of the time it was just mainly just hanging out. We always had a time where we uh, had prayer requests and so we had and so we had someone um, stand up for prayer and uh, and she just really needed a breakthrough in her life and we we, we all stood up put hands on her and we started praying and um, I can literally feel breakthrough. I can literally feel chains breaking while we were praying for her. One of my favorite things when um, like doing this rad group was seeing them connect with each other. Um, these are all people like we didn't know each other. Um, so just introducing each other and realizing that they had similar backgrounds and like, oh, I do that too. And, and then just seeing your rad group, like they're, they, start, they started making friends and, um, and then seeing them on Sundays, like just happy to see each other and I, turning into a family is what I saw it happen. I also kind of did one thing um, outside of the rad group where uh, I think they premiered like the third season of, uh, of The Chosen, the first two episodes. And so we thought, hey, let's, like, let's invite everybody, see who wants to go. And so quite a bit of them wanted to go. So we all went to Evo and we kind of hung out at the movie theater, watched the movie together. We booked like a whole row. It was just kind of nice to do something outside of church, outside of the rad group and doing something that we would normally do ourselves, but with other people. And I think for me, like uh, as a father, like I would want my kids to to be leaders. I want my kids to 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 lead other kids. I want them to to have a good walk with with Christ. And so I felt like it kind of gave me more accountability to be that example for them, uh, to to have them be around, seeing me, seeing us lead together. There was growth in our family too with this because afterwards. Like, I, it was the Holy Spirit talking to me, like, why don't you do a Bible study with your kids? So then afterwards, we bought um, like a family Bible study that we do with the kids now um, in the evenings before they go to bed. And I feel like it turned into like this family growing moment as well. Um, them seeing us do this with adults, them knowing that we're studying the Bible with other people, and then it turning into like, we need to do this as a family more. So um, I felt like it was a whole experience for our family. The way that I was kind of feeling before leading a rad group was kind of like uh, almost like a warm feeling, like a warm feeling, uh, kind of like a nudge, you know, God kind of telling me, hey, like you should try this out, you should try this out. And so if you're feeling that about a rad group, like if you have an idea of something that you want to do, something you want to start for a rad group, and you're feeling that nudge, um, just go for it.
you know. Um, my biggest fear doing it was that nobody was going to show up, and um, and we had about maybe seven couples that came, seven eight couples, and it was awesome. And uh, now we're kind of excited uh, to do another one. <laughs> Come on, let's give it up. Let's really give it up. Uh, Manuel, is that you back there, my man? I can barely see. Is that him? Come on, give it up for Emmanuel. I think is Diana and kids right now? Is she helping over in kids? Is she right here? No, she's right here. There she is. She's trying to hide from me. Hey, they led an amazing rad group this last year, this last semester. And like they said, you know, most people in their group, y'all don't even know hardly any of them when they first came into the group. And now... Uh, it's so cool on Sunday mornings. It's like, hey, we have friends to hang out with and to sit with and, and to talk to and to catch up with. And you get to see them throughout the week and do life together, go to the movies together, just different things like that. And we all need that. That's what I'm talking about when I say true community. That's what I'm talking about when I say you need people in your life like that. They're going to lift you up and encourage you. Listen, you know, if you go to a rad group or you go to any kind of, you know, setting, you might feel like, you know, you have to have all the answers or you have to have all the right theology or you're nervous about the Bible study or whatever it might be. Listen, like I guarantee you, Emmanuel and Diana, like they don't know everything. You know, I don't know everything, but yet we're all growing together. We're learning together. And, and it's just a time for us to get together with one another and pray over each other and really seek God and say, hey, what's going on in your life? How can I partner with you in prayer right now today? And let's lay hands on you. If you're going through something, if you're sick or you got a family member that's dealing with something, man, we wanna pray for that person right now. Listen, you can't get that necessarily right here on a Sunday morning, but you can outside of these four walls. And that's so, so important. Why? It says Proverbs 18, 24, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now, this passage is in this, this verse is specifically about just people in life that, and sometimes you have people that are your friends that actually become family, right? There's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You might have friends in your life that you would actually consider more family than your real family members. But it also has a relation and a correlation to Jesus, who is also the friend that sticks closer than a brother to each and every one of us. The ESV translates this not to unreliable friends, but many friends. It says, one who has many friends soon comes to ruin. What is it really saying here? If you take it that translation, you take it that way a little bit, it's saying, hey, lots of friends does not equal true friends. You might have a lot of acquaintances. You might have a lot of people in your life that you say, yeah, they're my friends. But do you have real friends, real community, real people who are gonna, you know, these are my people. And I could call them anytime and hit them up anytime. And we have those people in our lives. Man, we all need people like that. But ultimately, the number one friend that we all need to have in our lives, we know, come on, is Jesus. Jesus sticks closer than a brother. Through thick and thin, no matter what's going on in your life, if you feel lonely, if you feel like, hey, I'm one of those people that doesn't have that community, I don't have those friends, I don't have those people. The Bible says Jesus is never gonna leave you nor forsake you. He's never going to drop you off and say, hey, listen, I ain't got time for you, right? But the Bible says that he knows everything about you. He knows your inmost desires. He knows the struggles that you deal with before you even lift up your prayer requests to God. The Bible says he already knows. 
And so I want to introduce some of you maybe today to that Jesus, the same Jesus that came down to this earth. We know we celebrated at Christmas as a baby, as a man, grew up in wisdom and stature and gained favor with men. He lived a perfect sinless life and then died on the cross for you and for me so that we could have our sins forgiven. The Bible says, hey, we're all imperfect people. Like we all mess up. And yet Jesus says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You might be in this place and you say, I'm a sinner. I've messed up. I messed up this morning or last night or this week, whatever it might be. I've never given my life to Jesus, but I want you to take a second and consider that maybe Jesus, just maybe, might be the best friend you will ever have in your life. If you'd all stand with me, I'd like to pray with you. As we go into this celebration and this party here in a moment, I, I just wanna take a moment to talk to the people out there that don't feel like they have that community and to those people that don't have that relationship with Jesus. There's two calls today. Number one, you say, Pastor, I need true community in my life. I don't have it. I maybe have one or two, you know, kind of friends, but not really. I, I feel lonely. I feel like I don't have anybody I could talk to about things that are going on in my life. I, I just need that in my life. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to give you the opportunity to respond. I don't want to embarrass anybody here this morning, but man, if that's you, would you just raise your hand on the count of three? One, two, three. If that's you, you say, hey man, I need community. I need people in my life. I need to grow in true community. Come on, I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. Hands going up all around this place. Amen. You can put your hands down. Thank you. I'm praying for you today. We're gonna pray with you in just a second. But I wanna give somebody the chance to respond to Jesus today. You know, if you've never given your life to Christ, it's the best decision you will ever make. It doesn't make your life perfect. It doesn't make you perfect. It doesn't make everything easy. But it does mean that you will have that friend that sticks closer than a brother who will fight your battles with you, that will never leave you nor forsake you. He will always be by your side and the Holy Spirit will now lead you and guide you in your life. And if that's you and you say, I'm a sinner, I know I've messed up. I wanna get right with God today, right here, right now in this place. Would you just be so bold uh, just to raise your hand and look up at me? If that's you, one, two, three. Raise your hand and look right up at me if that's you. I just wanna see you and you can put your hand right back down. Come on, I see you in the back. One, is there anybody else today? Anybody else who wants to get right with God and give their life to Jesus this morning? I don't want you to go one more second without giving your life to him. Come on, I saw one hand go up in the back. Can we give God praise for that one person? The Bible says that heaven rejoices even when one person gives their life to Jesus. Man, if we do all this today and we have a great big party and it's all for that one, man, it was so worth it. Hey, let's pray. Let's bow our heads and pray together. Father God, I thank you for every person here that just needs to be encouraged, that needs community, that needs to be in a life-giving relationship with other believers that can lift them up and encourage them. If there's somebody feeling lonely here today, maybe they've lost somebody that, they love or that's been close to them and they don't have that person anymore that they can go to. And I pray that you would just lift up their spirit this morning. God, I pray that as we hang out today and as we, as we have a party, you know, celebrating, uh, just hanging out with each other, having a good time, eating some food, talking about life. I pray that there'd be life-giving conversations, life-giving supernatural connections with people in this place today that maybe their best friend is in this room and they just don't even know it yet. 
But God, I pray that you would reveal those people to them, whether it's here or outside of this place, the coworkers, uh, family members, whoever it might be, man, we all need somebody, Father, that can lift us up and encourage us. And we wanna be able to do that for other people. So help us to reach out. Help us to not sit back passively, but to be the person that makes the first move, to be the person that goes up and introduces themselves and, and creates community and be intentional about that community. And Father, I pray for the one person that's given their life to Jesus today and for anybody else that maybe is making that decision in their heart today, right now. God, would you bless them? Would you help them in their walk with you? Would you help us as a community to lift them up, to teach them, to disciple them, and help them to grow closer to you? We thank you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Can we give Jesus a big shout of praise, a big hand clap this morning? Come on.